Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Optin NYC podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joe Galetta, and I am joined in studio this week with John Negron. And remotely, we also have Kayla Saber. So we've got a couple of guests as well this week from the School Safety Division. Why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves? I'm Agent Price from 84 Precinct, down, which is downtown Brooklyn. I work out of Khalil Gibran International Academy. And for those who don't remember me, I'm Harper. When I first started in my school safety career, I guess you could say I was uh, at the headquarters in Queens, and then I moved around um, a little bit. So we have some school safety agents here today because we're trying to talk about um, – officers in the schools and that's what exactly what you guys are peace officers in the schools one of the trends that we're noticing right now is a lot of the youth in the city is their first time arrests are involving firearms now at a much higher rate than ever before um obviously kids have always gotten into trouble but we've seen arrests for Headed larceny, shoplifting, and fighting. But now we're seeing this trend of increased violence. Kids getting arrested for for guns. Uh, Price, what do you what are your thoughts on that? A lot of kids now, the first thing they do is want to pull out a weapon. No more fighting with hands. It's either you're going to get cut or you're going to get shot, which I am totally against. It was just shoplifting, picking up little things here and there. And once you get arrested for a gun with your first arrest which it sticks with your record for the rest of your life, it's not a good look. Let them get more educated into what's the repercussions behind it because they don't know. Was the school that you work in, was that one that had metal detectors and searches on the way in? or No, we don't have any metal detectors, no searches on the way in. So, of course, whatever's in your bag is in your bag. Right. right. Do you think that's a, a, another solution there? Are you, are you on board with that, or do you think that would then prolong or delay intake too much during schools it's a iffy situation with that you know but for me the kids since I'm so conditioned with the kids and I know who would have something and who won't it's different when you go into a school with and and my school is not that large so let me say that it's not a large um amount of students that go there so when you have a larger school I think they should have metal detectors because if everybody's first offense now is getting arrested with a gun, they need to have that. From your experience as a school safety agent, do you have any um, insight into why you think there is such an uptick in gun violence among the youth? I'm mixed on that. I really don't know. Why? Um, If no one's here to stop them and show them the right way to go, of course they want to go with the negative. So I think that they got to start first with the parents speaking to their kids about violence and pulling out weapons and what's going to happen to you after you do it, then I think it probably will slow down. I think a lot of the times, a lot of our youth, unfortunately, isn't educated properly on, on, on a lot of topics. They're kind of given the bare minimum. Guns are bad. You know, they see the uh, drop the gun posters. But I, I think not enough people are actually taking time out of the day to speak to the youth about it. So it really just goes through one ear and out you know, the other. And then also, you know, my school, um, 
it's like a 14, 15 story building. Um, there's like six schools in there. We have metal detectors and there's this whole security system. And um, I think, you know, due to the reoccurring unfortunate events in the country that does happen in schools, I think there, there does have to be better security when it comes to the youth and, and firearms. Because obviously, you know, legally, uh, a certain age can't purchase a gun. But it's still widely, you know, available in the city. And usually whenever... Something I was always told as a kid by friends and families, you know, whenever the, you know, the department gets a new toy, the street gets a toy too. They always get something to kind of combat that. Um, and then that becomes available to the kids. So they start walking around with it, whether it be it to use it or they want protection from the police or, or whatever it, it might be. In your, in your career, has, have it, has it been common in some of the school or schools you've worked in of seeing a teenager unfortunately carrying a knife or something that can be used as a, as a lethal weapon? Yes, it's always going to be somebody carrying a weapon because we don't know what that child is going through when they leave their home, what they got to go through going home. I went to public school when I was younger. I was in trouble for the same situation, but not for myself or friends. So it could be you doing something for one of your friends, not knowing. Right. And going off of um, stereotyping and diversity. Um, when you were training as a school safety agent, what were the kind of training programs that you guys went through um, to be able to better interact with students and kind of avoid um, using stereotypes to, to interact with them? We had so much training on that. Um, first of all, like Mr. Harper has this thing about um, this mood thing. The mood meter. The mood meter, which is great. I put the mood meter in my house, I was telling him. So that's, first and foremost, I think that's a great thing to have for everybody because we don't know what nobody is going through, and you can't just judge somebody off of race, um, how, they, um, how they dress, gender, all that comes into play. So the training is very heavy. We we train a whole lot on diversity. It's a good thing. I think that the mood meter needs to be in all trainings. Can you kind of go into detail about what the mood meter is and how it helps you guys? The mood meter for me, like, for instance, this morning when I came in, Harper asked me a question. And when I answered him, he asked me, did I have breakfast? And I said, no. He said, I could tell. Because of how I answered. <laughs> but I'm always a little sassy. But anyway, when you're not having a good day and then you straight up want to be nasty, you have to stop and think about, you know, you don't know what that person is going through. And, you know, he likes to listen to music. I like to crack jokes to change the mood sometimes. Or sometimes just ask somebody, is everything okay? And, you know, figure out what they're going through. So when dealing with me, I always want someone to be in the green. I need to be in the green. He says the green isn't good all the time. Not that it's not good all the time, but you're not always going to get someone that's in the green all the time because it doesn't go with everything. But for me, I need someone to be in the green all the time. Harper, why don't you describe what the moon meter looks like for us? Yeah, because all you hear is green, green, green. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so you know we got four quadrants on the mood meter. You have a red, a blue, a green, and a yellow. So if you're in the red, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people can um, relate to the red portion, 
you know, just hearing red, you know, you know, people enraged, furious, you know, angry about something. Um, and the blue, again, kind of self-explanatory when you say somebody's blue, you know, down, maybe bored, um, disinterested, um, depressed even. Uh, when you're in the yellow, the mood is a little lightened. You know, you, you feel a little bit energetic. And then when you're in the green, oh, man, you gotta, sometimes you got to be careful about being in that green. You could be overjoyed to a point of euphoria. So um, that's pretty much the breakdown of uh, the four quadrants. Um, there are so many different words that we use uh, to relate to those those colors, color schemes and those quadrants. Kayla, Kayla, what mood are you in today? Oh, I definitely think I'm in the green today. Very happy. Happy to be talking to you guys. That sounds great. Well, I, I think it's, uh, first of all, I think it's a conversation that's needed. Um, a lot of people don't get the opportunity to speak to uh, school safety agents on a, on, a, on a regular, and they don't see them as either law enforcement or even think that there's more to them than basically what you hear on the news or uh, maybe even see at your average, uh, you know, elementary, middle school or high school, you know, them at the desk and, you know, but I think it's more to them. I think the message needs to go out. I think people need to see more of what the agents do. So having this conversation today, I think it's a great thing and being able to speak to Ms. Price, you know, and her, you know, lending her expertise to her opinions on this matter. I think, I think it's a big deal. So what are some of the other things that school safety agents do besides just sitting at a desk then? Joe, that's a great question. So I'm going to take that, Ms. Price. I know you're eager to jump in there, right? No, um, I'm waiting. For I'll you. talk about, you know, let me talk about my career. Um, you know, this is year 15 for me. Um, I started out in a unit called support services. And primarily, I was in charge of training uh, police officers and school safety agents on how to use hand wands, metal detectors. I fixed them, delivered them to schools around the five boroughs. Um, we did major events. We would do uh, when the Pope came and he uh, was at Madison Square Garden. We we were there to help with uh, scanning and uh, security. Um, when Chris Brown came to Madison Square Garden, did a couple of backflips and then left the stage. We were there for that. Um, <laughs> the, the marathons, we worked the marathon. So providing security and, and, and things of that nature. I started out my first year doing that. Then I transferred to Brooklyn. And that's when I got my first taste of uh, working in uh, New York City public schools. Uh, it wasn't long before I was asked if I wanted to try out for a task force, which was something equivalent to what people knew back then as truancy. So these were the guys that would uh, you know, ride around in the blue vans and look for truants and pick them up and take them to uh, truancy sites. We call them track sites. Um, those no longer is, exist now because uh, truancy is looked at a little differently now than it was 10, you know, 12 years ago. But um, I did that until I was asked, you know, or I was recommended to join community outreach, you know, community affairs, you know, because of the relationship I built over the years with working with young people uh, on a personal level. So I jumped into that. Um, and, you know, from there I was, tasked with, you know, just going around doing youth programs, doing presentations, talking about bullying, talking about uh, gang awareness, conflict resolution, uh, just a host of topics that I would facilitate on throughout, you know, Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn North area. And then from there, you know, 
I got into options. So um, that's what I'm doing now, last couple of years. So um, as, an, as a school safety agent, you can do so many things. You, you can work in an IT unit where you, you know, fixing our, our department cell phones. Um, if you're into sports, you can join one of the sports leagues, the basketball, you know, NYPD basketball team or the football team. Um, so there's something in it for everyone. Not everyone works in a school. Uh, we have a payroll unit, you know, and maybe you're good with the numbers or, you know, filing and stuff like that. So we have agents that are specifically assigned to just payroll. They come in every day. They go to a, a desk and a computer in the office and they make sure a payroll is, is on point, you know, every uh, two weeks. We have administrative staff that make sure that, you know, agents that are assigned to particular areas are there, you know, when they're supposed to be there, the amount of agents that are supposed to be there. So, you know, it is different. There's so many different units. There's a bike unit. You know, I got certified. I actually got certified for the bike unit, but I never, <laughs> I never joined the bike unit. But you have to get trained for that, which is interesting. Sorry. You think you know how to ride a bike, but they actually train you on how they want you to ride a bike. Like down the halls of a school, well, or yeah. uh, <laughs> oh no, you you're in the streets. You're in the streets. They, it, they say, I, you know I, I got to break that habit of school safety is only in schools. No, you can, they they may tell you, you know what? Listen, ride the bike over to Thomas Jeff, and then you know from there go to Boys and Girls High School. Well, why and, why why are you riding the bike? Like, what's the point of um, that kind of part of it? So the so the, so the bike unit, just like you would see uh, the bicycle patrol for regular patrol officers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Enjoy seeing that. Obviously, you know, you would only see them during the summer and spring uh, time when the weather permits. But um, it's just uh, high visibility, that extra presence, and then it just gives it a different approach um, when you're dealing with, you know, potential hazards or criminal activity on the outside perimeter of a school. So that's one of the reasons. You do have foot patrol, you know, that would normally do uh, perimeter checks around the school, but then that the extra presence of the bike patrol that can go up on the sidewalks where your 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 cars or RMPs or vans wouldn't normally go, you know, through corridors outside, you know, park areas. So that's one of the main reasons and purposes of a bike squad for school safety. How about school safety canine? You guys have dogs. That's one thing that school safety does not have. Oh, they on. do not have a canine uh, unit. Best thing about the department. No <laughs> canine unit. No, they don't have a canine unit. So I kind of want to turn the conversation to John. I know you often bring up that police don't necessarily make people always feel safe. What is your thoughts on a school safety agent being in every school? So um, the my following statements, I mean, in the most respectful way, it's not to the agents in this room. I respect and you know love and care for all of you. Um, overall, I think um, school safety, my entire like educate, like academic career, I've always had a school safety officer in my schools. Um, and I personally have always had mostly positive experiences. Um, but, you know, I'm in high school now, so things are a little different. Kids are kind of being exposed to, you know, drugs and, and more violence. So everything's handled a little differently. I've had more negative experiences with school safety in my school. Um, but I still think that there's a, there's a necessity for safety and for keeping students safe. And I've never looked at school safety officers as cops. Actually, it's been quite the opposite for me. I've gotten into um, some negative interactions with a school safety officer where they would kind of have this overarching um, authority over me. And I kind of had to like remind them that, okay, cool, we're in a school. And you're, I'm not saying you don't have authority, but you're not exactly a police officer. So can you stop threatening to arrest me? Um, so I have mixed feelings. But I think overall, I think school safety, is, it's, it's, it's needed. 
And then especially once you kind of, if they took school safety out of schools and they decided to, you know, make whatever security system, they might not be as respected as school safety is because you guys do have that badge, that uniform. And you're there to protect the kids, but that badge might just be the protection you have as well with gang violence in schools and and, and with some of the things kids are, are open to. Then I have my own biased opinions, especially in my school, where um, there's seven different schools in, our, in my school, basically. And each one has their, even, their own dress codes, their own set of rules, their own times that it starts. And I feel like it's not unified enough. And there's points where there's certain school safety um, agents who are uh, male and um, they might not, their school might not have the same dress code as another school. So they end up keeping um, certain students down in the lobby longer because of the way they dressed, um, which is allowed in like my school. And then there's also some experiences where there's... Um, Cases that don't last very long of school safety officers kind of um, sexually harassing certain students and then saying that, oh, it's because of dress code, we're telling them to cover up and et cetera, et cetera. Or there was a case where um, the, um, certain kids choose to get certain piercings and there's an officer who's wanding kids because they're going off and he spent an absurd amount of time um, you know, checking a specific place, which was explained multiple times. And um, this goes back to my thing of kind of authority because I, like, you know, stepped out of my place and was like, hey, like, she said this multiple times. There's piercings. You're doing a lot. You want nothing else is beeping on her. And it was then it was like kind of, you know, I'm a cop. I'm this, I'm that. And I'm like, you're not a cop. You're, you know, I, I mean it the most respectful way you're not. Um, I think they're definitely, with the way the world is changing, I think there might have to be a certain for lack of better words, retraining or kind of rebranding. But I definitely think if you pull school safety out of these schools, it's it's going to be a mess for a very, very long time. But I do think, like everything else about the city, it, it's always going to need improvement. For a little bit of clarity, they are peace officers. They're peace not police officers. officers. So they still do have authority and, and still can arrest and I, I never people. said they didn't. I understand. I, I was clarifying for our, our listeners at home. No, let me, um, you know, well said, John. Um, I do want to add some context to um, a little bit. You know, I wasn't there, obviously, to that, you know, some of those experiences. But as a, a, a trainer, um, you know, that had to train officers on, you know, search and search procedures and stuff like that. I can say that um, one of the things that I've always, you know, um, advocated for was transparency, you know, on both sides. You know, especially when you're dealing with young people, you know, parents need to know what's going on when it comes to uh, safety and security in, in public schools. And, you know, for whatever reason, um, sometimes it's clear and sometimes it's not. What I, what I will add to the conversation, what I'll say is based off of my experiences um, in that line, in that field, when it came to young people coming in, going through schools that had metal detectors, you know, the procedure was, you know, if you go through this metal detector and the light rings off or the light, you know, flashes, you know, um, based on the the amount of metal that may be on a person, you know, they would get, you know, a phase two. A phase two is considered now you have to get hand wand, right? So now the hand wand, there's a certain way, you know, people are trained how to hand wand. It can pick up metals on the body. Now, if there's a piercing, you know, whether it's below the waist, above the waist, uh, you know, no one has x-ray vision. And you can say, well, this is a piercing. 
just like people say, well, this is the wire in my undergarment or whatever the case is. Um, you know, it's up to that, you know, officer to, to say, you know what, I'm not comfortable with that answer or, or what's, you know, what's being told to me. I'm going to need to take this to a phase three. I'm going to have to get a school representative, same sex as the person that's being searched. And we have to go to a secluded area and make sure that what is being, you know, f- you know, what's ringing off is not contraband or anything worse. Uh, in my experiences o- over the years, I've seen a number of things that young people would hide in, you know, in their underwear inside of them. I've seen, I've seen it all. I've seen young people put, you know, and, and things that wasn't really necessarily that you had to hide. Like I remember there was a debate about cell phones about six or seven years ago. You know, some schools cracked down on, on cell phones, some didn't. But I remember seeing a student uh, take their cell phone and put it in some pancakes. They had McDonald's pancake. Put it. They didn't even wrap the phone up. They actually put what? it. It had syrup and butter <laughs> on it. And obviously, it still went when it went through the metal detector. We seen it, yes. right? <laughs> I I've also seen um, young ladies hide razor blades, you know, in their crotch area. So uh, with that, you know, with me seeing that over the years, and and I've only had a handful of years working in the school system, but a lot of years outside and, and training and, and visiting these schools. I know the potential uh, for weapons to get into school. And when it comes to search procedures, you know, sometimes that is the, the you know, you see them going the extra mile to make sure something like that doesn't happen. Because if a weapon does get into school, you may see a news blurb or something like that, or you may hear rumbles in the school. But what happens with the school safety agents that work there, they don't go home right away. There's a big investigation. Can you kind of go over if a person or a student does have conflict or a complaint against a school safety agent, what are the steps that can be taken to help alleviate the issue? Um, and how could the um, student overcome that conflict? From my experience, first and foremost, you're always supposed to get the administration involved when you have a conflict. Um, and then they will notify the parents of the student to step in and speak on it other than just have the school safety agent take care of the situation because it's always going to be a, it could be a he say, I say, you say situation. That's why we mostly promote administration be at certain areas where the students are with the school safety agents. It's not just school safety and a student. Administration is supposed to be you know, available at all times, which sometimes is not the case, which sometimes it makes the situation go further than it should go. So um, administration is the key. You have to work together with them to get to, through the situations and let them take it from there. That's how we deal with it. And what about the other way, though, if a student has a complaint about the agent? The student will go to the administration or have they parent bring them in, bring their parent in to deal with the situation. Or most time, if it's a irate student, they'll just go straight at the agent. But most of the time, they go to the principal administration, whoever is close to the student. Because sometimes they may not even have a rapport with the principal. Or, you know, they'll go with a teacher and let the teacher know and have them notify their parents. Because some parents, believe it or not, don't show up for the kids. 
they won't come and they'll just leave it to them to deal with it. But most part, the principal or teacher, and there's always phone numbers. 311 is always there to let you know what to do if you have a situation with an agent that, you know, you just don't want to deal with. Let's pause one moment to hear from our sponsors. And we're back. So I have a question that's kind of itching. Um, It's an issue that we've seen with the NYPD as well. Kind of everyone asking kind of like, what do you do if you're authority? How far is too far? Because there's, you know, it's schools. People fight in schools. Kids fight over uh, petty things, big things. And, um, you know, teachers aren't supposed to break up fights, apparently. And it's the, it's the job of the, uh, the agents. So how far is too far? Because sometimes, you know, kids don't listen. Sometimes there's a weapon involved. There's a chair involved. You know, what do you do? And then what happens if you go, quote unquote, too far under the administration? I, I want to jump in there real quick before, because um, I know Price has a great answer for this one. But um, just keep in mind that... Um, you know, school safety is trained to an extent the same way a police officers train. They go to the police academy, same police academy. You know, um, the difference of three months in training. So a school safety agent trains for three months at the police academy where a police officer would train for six months. Um, they get uh, police science, school safety agents. Uh, they're taught constitutional law, uh, self-defense. Um, they do agility tests and things of that nature. Um, so when it comes to breaking up fights and uh, uh, addressing crimes. They approach it the same way without a baton, without a gun. So, uh, you know, they're taught uh, verbal judo, you know, what they talk, what they call it. So um, all a school safety agent really has is, um, you know, their mouth and, 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 and the knowledge that they have of what they can do and what they can't do when faced with a situation like that. But, you know, again, you know, how far is too far is a, is a great question. So I'll let Ms. Price jump in there. I've also been on a job 15 years, and I've been assaulted a lot of times because um, as a school safety agent, you're supposed to be there for their safety and yours as well. The administration doesn't always understand you're there to assist them. So if I'm there and two kids are intervening into a fight, I'm also supposed to wait for backup. So should I stand there and let two students fight or should I break it up so as a mom then my mom thing comes in and I'm just like I'm not gonna let this kid get hurt so that's how I will probably get assaulted because if I just was saying if it's no males now there's no males in the school that I work in it's only females the kids the young men in there are 17 these are I work in high school so they like 200 pounds plus six plus and it's just me. So I was saying, like, if I'm going to break this up, I'm going to say to them, stop, in my voice, stop, stop. Don't do this. Stop. Until they're not listening anymore. And now I'm an officer on a different level using probably a few profanity words, which I shouldn't be using because that's too far. Knowing that that's too far. But use of force what type of force am I going to use to break up two boys? Am I going to kick them or bite them? You know, that's excessive force. No, I'm going to start yelling, stop, stop, you know, with a little more aggression till they can understand what I'm saying to them. Because these kids, of course, you know, they don't listen. Females are totally different. They don't stop. The men, 
You could get them. Once they realize after you start talking to them, nah, this is a lady. This is Miss Price. We can't do that. Y'all better chill. The other kids are coming and assist. The young ladies, they don't stop. They don't care who's there. They don't care what you say. You're going to get scratched, kick, slam, whatever the whatever it is to break it up. You have to wait for your backup. If not, be prepared to have to either use a little bit more force than usual, but you know that's too much. And again, I, I think I said earlier about, you know, why this conversation needs to be had and needs to be heard. Um, you know, I'm a parent as well. And, you know, having John and Kayla on who are uh, young people, you know, it's two sides of it, right? So if I'm a student advocate and I'm saying, you know what, we don't need police in the schools. We don't need this. We, need, we don't need. And, and John, he, he explained earlier about, you know, how he thinks schools would look without, you know, uh, school safety agents in them. You know, just imagine some of the things that Miss Price described. You know, now DOE has a policy of, you know, they cannot break up fights. That's in their contract. You know, hands off, right? So now a fight breaks out. Now you call, let's say they call 911. Who's showing up to the school? Police officers, right? Police officers who have a different uh, uh, outlook and a different approach to dealing with young people as opposed to a school safety agent. Different tools available. Different tools and everything, right? Yes. So we, I always say we got to be very careful as a society what we ask for and what we, 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 we rally for, right? So, again, one side, you know, she says, you know, I'm going to raise my voice and I'm going to say this. But a parent may say that's too aggressive. You can't talk to my child in that manner. So let's say she doesn't. Let's say she just backs off and let these students fight it out i've seen in my career i can tell you about a, a young man at paul robeson high school who was stabbed in the neck with, with scissors and he, he you know thankfully he's still alive but he's paralyzed he's, he's spending the rest of his days in a wheelchair you know um and that wasn't because a weapon was brought into school he got those scissors out of an art class and he was being bullied right you know i've seen you know uh, kids hit in the head with a brick, and I've seen I've seen situations where I've seen a group of agents kind of stand back because they didn't want to get involved. They didn't want to get hurt themselves. But if they did jump in, let's say they did jump in and, and and they started pulling people and pushing people back this way, but somebody falls and hurts themselves, you know, people might say that's too aggressive. Miss um, Price, she had a story. I don't know if she want to say it now on the air about herself getting hurt. You know you know, trying to break up a fight or trying to help somebody else's child. And the, and the crazy thing is just to think like maybe in another year or so, her her job is going to transition and it'll go away from the NYPD and go on to, uh, under uh, DOE's control, right? And so everything that we're talking about, it'll, it'll be, you know, that was all, that was back then. This is a new day, right? How is that going to look? Right, because there won't be no school safety. If they don't want no school safety, they don't want school safety intervening with the kids. They don't want them to say anything to them. Everything is administration. But they have to remember, administration does not want to be in the school without school safety. They could say they a lot of teachers won't show up. And when they come into the building, you can't come into the building unless school safety is there. 
because who's going to be policing the school or the students? And not only that, far as violence, it's not a lot of violence. In my school, there's not a lot of violence. But there's a lot of bullying. There's a lot of digging your pockets, <laughs> meaning robbing you, taking your things. You know, kids do things to you that, um, how you, how would I say this, um, with sexual content. You know, your daughter could be over here and this boy's harassing her all day, vice versa. And who's going to stop that? The administration are in the classrooms. These kids are always in the hallways. Who's in the hallways seeing this? School safety. So sometimes, like he said, you have to be mindful of what you ask for because when your daughter or your son comes home with a black eye or ripped up clothes or something like that, and the first thing is, where was school safety? Why wasn't nobody there to help my daughter? Why wasn't I informed? Because your kid is so scared to say something, but that school safety agent that she has this great rapport with, she's going to say, can I talk to you for Miss Price? Of course. What's the matter? Because in my school, that's all I do. I'm a school coordinating agent, which is an SCA now, because I interact with the kids so much that I walk around with them all day. How you feeling today? They could walk in when I come to work. When I'm in this now week back to the mood meter, <laughs> if I'm angry, but when I come to work, my first thing is to change my attitude because I'm the first person that they see when they walk into the school. I don't know if they ate breakfast, if they ate dinner, if they slept all night. You know, I don't know what they're going through. So my whole attitude changes so it could be pleasant for them when they come in. Good morning. Sometimes I don't even get that back. Of course, I could get cursed out. But I'll say, okay, I don't know what happened to you last night, but we're going to change that. Good morning. That way, during the day, if something is going on with them, they won't feel like they can't come to me and say, Miss Rice, somebody just robbed me. Or somebody just threw me down. Or I can't leave right now. Could you um, make sure I get home safe? And I got to say, all right, well, which way are you going? You know, so be mindful of what, these, what you ask for because when you leave and you go to work, you want to make sure your kid come back home to you the same way they left. You can't point fingers if you're not thinking first about them because it's always about your kid first. And, um, you know, Harper kind of saw, kind of mentioned that, you know, with the shift, if if the push goes through and we take school safety out of schools, you know, it's it's going to be up to the DOE to kind of figure out a new like safety measure. And um, as someone who is in the educational system, and who is a student, I do not trust the Department of Education with certain things, um, you know, kind of the. COVID-19 pandemic has kind of shown, especially with the way that remote learning has been handled in certain neighborhoods, it's the DOE can be, for lack of better words, lazy at times. And I genuinely think that if we were to pull school safety out of schools the way that we want to and give it to the DOE to fix, they're not going to. And they're just going to hire some, I don't know, I don't know, some like, they're just going to ruin it. They're going to ruin it even more. And it's 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 going to be a mess. Listen, me and me and Miss Price can tell you, um, we went to public schools in New York City <laughs> before uh, school safety was under the tutelship of uh, NYPD when they were under DOE. And um, I, I, I was in Canarsie High School. Um, I visited a lot of other public schools. That I played basketball at the time, um, so you know there was no metal detectors. Uh, the school safety agents at that time they wore. Uh, blue blazers 
white shirts, white shirts and gray and gray slacks, um, and even some of them, you know, um, it's it's documented. If you if you if you look it up, um, if you search Google or whatever, you'll see that some of the people that worked for school safety back then, you know, the, the screening process was totally different. You know, totally different than what NYPD does because, you know, you're you're a law enforcement, you know, officer at this time. Mm-hmm. But back then, you know, they had <laughs> they had the some so, fill out application. Come on, I don't care if you smoke marijuana. The zone you ain't smoking in the school while you working. You know, you had you had some some characters on the on the job at that time, and um and as a student, I saw it, I saw it. So uh, uh even down to uh, inappropriate relations with, with with students, you know. So um, not saying that that could happen again or they won't happen again, but I just remember the day. I'm speaking now as a former student <laughs> in the public schools, but when when there was no school safety. In uh, under NYPD. Sorry, I just wanted to kind of transition to a more positive note um, because we spent a lot of time talking about some of the negatives um, that some people have experienced with school safety agents. But conversely, have there been any um, moments where you feel like you really positively impacted an, a student or helped them get through something? Well, me personally, um, that's just a little bit of negative. My days are usually more positive than anything because I'm here for to promote the kids for education. Um, sometimes they don't want to come to school. I'm on the phone calling them. Um, I better see you tomorrow because you need to graduate. You're here for a purpose, and that's education, not to just hang out with your friends. So I'm all for education, and um, we have a lot of um, different um, activities with the students, you know, help them out with a lot of different things, fundraising, help them more with their college education and all that. So and sometimes it's a, um, how you say, a home away from home. We're here predominantly all day with these kids. So they look forward to coming in and seeing me. I don't know about Mr. Harper, but they look forward to coming <laughs> and see me. And I look forward for them to be coming too, you know, because it makes me feel good too to see them come in every day and want to learn something and want to become great. So for me, it's good for them to come in every day. Um, now, I would say um, even, again, with my limited time working inside of a school, it didn't stop me from um, actually reaching out to young people and going to schools. And I can't just point to one particular positive uh, uh, event. There's been multiple ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to, uh, and I'm not going to like toot my horn or anything like that, but I've had an opportunity to, um, you know, be involved in some real special moments, you know, throughout my career. This is probably the best job. It's not probably. This is the best job that I've ever had. Uh, I work construction. I worked for the city prior to this, uh, getting into this line of work. You know, I worked, my first job was White Castle when I was in, in high school, and I loved that. I thought that was the best job, all you could eat, you know, White <laughs> Castle. But um, no, but, you know, I've had some great, great, great days, you know, um, you know, helping and working with young people, and it doesn't stop. You know, before we got on this, you know, on, on, on this podcast, you know, I met with, you know, some young people, you know, doing some other things around the city, and, um, you know, I've just been fortunate. It's been a blessing to me and, and my family as well to just be a positive, you know, role model to some of the young people in New York City, and um, to be rewarded for that. You know, is you know, can't speak enough about it. All right, 
this was a very long episode, but I would like to thank our two guest hosts that uh, joined us and explained a little bit more about school safety. Even I learned a lot today. I now know a lot about uh, it's technically part of the same department. Uh, but for John, for Kayla, for Agent Price, for Agent Harper, I am Officer Joe Galetta. Thank you for opting in.